Welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western, Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Josh Horowitz from 5 Minutes of Trouble, 5 Minutes of Bonsai, 12 Chimes, It's Midnight, and my co-host once again is the great inevitable and esteemable Brett Stillo. Hello. Oh, well, hello. Thanks for all the multi-syllables there. Yes, it's a day of many syllables. Thank you very much. I, I don't know what to say, but uh, by the way, nice intro. Oh, and thanks. Folks at home, if you're, yeah, if, if you're noticing that you're, you, that's your second intro this week, yeah. that's a little different from your first intro. You're a Swiss Army knife, my <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, and we'll see if I get better by, by more times as we go. Uh, but we've got a great guest this time. Uh, I want yeah. to introduce Leo Oliva who actually has had a chance to work with uh, one of the Silverado actors uh, that won't be in this minute, but uh, he's got a, a great story to tell. So, uh, Leo Oliva, yeah. actor, writer, producer, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, for such a cool experience that we're about to have. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting to meet another filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, maybe if, if I can jump in, uh, well, again, welcome, Leo. Uh, had you ever seen Silverado before? No, not until you guys told me about it. Uh, and I'm very happy you did. I, I, I loved the movie, to be completely Great. honest. Oh, that's good. Now we're going to have a, another fresh perspective as we discuss this minute. So, so should we ask your, I'm sorry, should we ask your, your, your Silverado connection or should, do we, do we wait? Yes. Well, well, who is, who is this mystery person who you've worked with? There's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Danny Glover who, uh, who makes a bit of a large cameo? I think he's he's uh, quite a superhero. I think to a certain extent in this in this uh, in this movie, he did a great job in it. And I got to work with him on a feature that I wrote and produced and acted in uh, called The Shift. Mm-hmm. Very cool, super duper cool. Uh, congratulations on that. When when did The Shift come out? Shift came out in uh, 2015. Uh, we shot it back in 2012. It was an amazing experience. We were lucky to get Danny. Um, and he was in all honesty, he was very happy to work on the project. He was, uh, he said he was compelled to work on it because of the subject matter. Uh, it deals with a one 12 hour shift in an emergency room and end of life, uh, decisions and how we, how we deal with them from a medical perspective and from a family perspective. So not a, uh, not a lighthearted, family comedy, but a hmm. uh, kind of a deep, deep-rooted drama uh, dealing with some heavy issues. Mm-hmm. And how did you first get to uh, consider Danny? I mean, did you have him in mind for this role or, or did you uh, get to meet him another way? So initially when I first wrote it, no, I had no idea that I'd even go after Danny. Um, my director, Lee Chipola, uh, was asked by my producing partner, Melanie DiPietro, and she was like, if you could work with anybody, if anybody could play the role, um, who would it be? The role of Floyd. And uh, he was like, well, I mean, if if there's anyone, it, it'd be Danny Glover. Like, that would be my dream. And we're like, awesome. 
let's look at it from that perspective. And then he fit the role so well. It was uh, It's a mentor role. He's basically the charge nurse in an emergency room. And he has guided me throughout my career as a nurse from when I started to the end of the movie. Um, and he's basically been the person who taught me how to do everything that I do uh, along the way. So it was, it was, uh, I wrote a nice little letter that went uh, from our producing assistant, quote unquote, because we really didn't have one. We just made an email, production assistant to the shift film, sent it to his agents uh, along with a script, gave them the dates, gave them the time. Uh, and after reading the script, uh, they said yes. They said yes pretty quick, actually. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesomely awesome. Now, what was it about Danny Glover that you wanted to have for your film? I mean, had you seen you know many of his other roles? Was there any particular role that that he had done that really impressed you? I th- you know it's funny, Lethal um, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. And I know that doesn't really line up. Yeah, it doesn't line up with with the shift specifically. Hmm. But there's an aspect of Danny that he brings a levity into the the heavy action moments and he's grounded in the work in Lethal Weapon. So like it was one of these things that in watching him do that and knowing that that was something that that would really resonate well with a character who Danny's also aged, right? So in comparison to where he was when he did Lethal Weapon and where he was doing the shift, hmm. he had more of a father figure and uh, approach to just being more of a grounded personality. It was it was something that fit him really well. Hmm. Yeah, no, he, he's quite a quite a versatile actor. Been working for for many yeah. years. Uh, I'm curious to yeah. to know what you thought of him in Silverado. I'm seeing that you had never even seen it before. Uh, you know, how did the Danny that you had worked with compare to the Danny that you see on film from 1985? Well, we're talking 1985 to 2000 and. Uh, 12. Yeah. It's been quite a number of years. <laughs> the speed at which Danny Glover moves in Silverado, he looks like a superhero. Like if <laughs> he was that age nowadays, he'd probably be in one of the Marvel movies. Honestly, he's so mm. fast. He's so quick with what he does. And then at the same time, he had such a grounded layer uh, uh, in his work of dealing what happens with his family and fighting for people who at the beginning, he has no idea who they are, but he starts working with them. And, and growing this bond. He was, he was fantastic. I loved, I actually, to be completely honest, loved his role in Silverado, maybe even a little bit more than in The Shift. Hmm. Maybe just a little bit. Because <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's fun to see him work like that. Yeah. I, you know, yesterday's episode, I, I s- sort of pointed out what I call cowboy superhero cool. That uh, mm-hmm. the, the cowboys in this movie are inspired a little by... Uh, Spaghetti Western cowboys. They they don't mm-hmm. just shoot things. They have they make amazing shots with mm. great ease. Oh, uh, yeah. They have telepathy with their horses. And yeah, Mal <laughs> is a superhero character. Uh, the, you know he holds those Henry rifles like uh, you know they're double kind of soda sticks or some double rifles. Yeah, and uh, you know wh- one thing rewatching this movie. You know it's a movie with. You know, wall-to-wall great dialogue. But it does seem like Danny has the best lines. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. kill you and you don't want to be dead. I mean, actors, that's just... <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. That's just, oh, you know, to get a line like that, that must make your day on the set. Like, okay, yeah, I can do this. No, when he pulls up the two Henry rifles when he's in the cave and he says, these will do. Like, it's so, <laughs> so many of the lines that he was given and, and the rest of the characters as well, the rest of the actors. But yeah. his lines in particular, they were like moment lines, the shots down from a lower angle. It's like a super powerful position. Yeah. They really did create these moments for all these actors to be almost like superheroes. Like you said, it's a spaghetti west it's a spaghetti western, but at the same time it has this superhero quality. All of them. Like you said, those simple shots like difficult shots, but making it look simple and I mean they're just yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again just to add to what you said, yeah, it's a simple line on paper. These'll do. But boy Mm-hmm. You know, and it's also that's filmmaking, right? Because it's not just the actor saying the line, but it's your exactly. it's your DP saying, "Oh yeah, let's shoot this low," and you know, uh, yeah. it's the it's the collaboration, uh, which yeah, yeah. you know you know very well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little, just a little, just a little. <laughs> well, well, let's uh, actually get into uh, some of the minutes. I think. Uh, because we we have to talk about this minute, which happens to be minute 13 of Silverado, which actually, uh, it it doesn't feature Mal, sadly, but uh, it does begin with Payton and Cobb walking and talking, and it ends with a spit of tobacco. (laughs) This is a walk and talk minute, Uh, but uh, hopefully there's other things that we can uh, kind of cover other than just uh, the walking and the talking. Yeah, and I guess we're stuck with Brian Dennehy and Kevin Klein. Boy, that's a lot. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this one minute is such a setup for where the story's going to go about an hour later or 45 minutes later. Mm -hmm. It just, it really sets up the place where Kevin Kevin is coming from, or Payton, Payton, I mean, or Kevin, where he's coming from or where he's at, that he's just taken a loan from Cobb in order to get these clothes and get all his gear together. He's he's starting literally from scratch and is already at the beginning of the movie in debt to someone who later on becomes a, a huge person in and who he, who who Payton becomes by the end. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought too much about the the whole concept of being in debt with somebody, but it is a, a theme that kind of resonates throughout the film. Uh, I, I do know that that Kevin Klein does use the line uh, "I'm good for it" a couple of times in there to kind mm-hmm. of, uh, I guess, justify the fact that you know he's not somebody who will welch on his word. That uh, you know any debts are pretty much secure with him. Uh, but but yeah, that that's that's a theme we're gonna we're gonna see throughout uh, Silverado. You know, I think to to take a moment with Brian Dennehy, uh, who I mean, right now it's it's it's. Two old friends, though uh, one seems to be very much at ease. I think one reason why Payton keeps saying, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pay you back is he, he doesn't want anything. He doesn't want any leverage. Hmm. Uh, anything, you know, I think he just wants to, you know, take, take, the, take the favor and go. He's, you know, he's done mm-hmm. with Cobb. Cobb, of course, is leaning very hard to bring him back in, but... Um, you know, Danny, he great actor. Uh, you know, he just, again, he seems to have so much fun playing the bad guy. Uh, hmm. I said, oh, I yeah. think I said that yesterday, but it's like, there is a, like, um, you know, I, I, I can imagine being typecast and just playing, you know, 
yet another gangster role or a drug dealer or something like that. But, but here is like, oh, I'm the corrupt sheriff. Oh, boy. You know, just the smile on his face as he's walking down the street. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked through the movie. He looks like he's most mostly having the time of his life, even when he shoots people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he keeps on going on about, I think, saying he's got a sweet setup, I think, or a great setup. Yeah. It's it's like he carries that with him throughout the entire story. Even from the first moment you see him, it's just a smile on his face with where he's gotten to in his life. And then you come to find out what it is with the town mm-hmm. and everything that's going on in it. Uh, but But he seems to play that so well, so truthfully, even in the midst of all the dark stuff that is happening and that, that yeah. he's responsible for, he's still smiling because he feels like he's got everything under control the whole time. Yeah, it's a very confident performance. Another actor might mm-hmm. uh, try to take the role where he'd be afraid of losing all of his um, you know, his wealth yeah. or, or his status. But here, it's like he, he takes everything in stride. Uh, he, he is a man with a mission. He knows what he wants and is <laughs> not afraid to do whatever it takes to keep it. Exactly. Which also makes him a bit of a formidable bad guy. Like you, you don't doubt that he's going to win at everything that he does throughout the entire story, the mm-hmm. entire movie. He's just so confident. You're like, no one's going to beat this guy. He, even when when the other people that are in the town say you, you're about to basically earn your keep or earn your money. You're going to have to do the work. He's like, I got it. Don't worry about it. It's it's just so easy for him. Hmm. You know, another thing about this scene. And I think it, it's a reflection of uh, Klein and Denny's performances. Neither of them have any affectation of being Western characters. You know, there's no there's no accents, there's no twangs. These could be two guys in a cop movie in New York City in 1985. Hmm. And you know, there's a I I think to some degree both these actors in this movie are playing cowboy. They don't, mm. they, they're sort of like, hey, this is, you know, it's a fun movie. It's a fun script. Uh, but, you know, they aren't, they aren't trying to, uh, you know, say, say if you look at, you know, the actors who were in Deadwood, that was a show that definitely was like, you know, let's, let's try to be very 19th century about this. I mean, like, again, these two guys uh, could be walking down 42nd Street. But mm. we, but, and yet we believe them as cowboys. Yeah. Well, they certainly look the part. Um, you know, I mean, in, in this scene, we, we get to see, uh, you know, Payton putting on his his replacement hat, that kind of <laughs> battered white hat with the rolled up brim. Not quite a fedora, uh, something that uh, Lawrence Kasdan knows quite a bit about. Uh, yep. the, the thing that I noted was that with with this scruffy look that Kevin Klein has, you know, the red shirt, the whiskers, kind of reminded me of uh, a Toy Story 2 character. Remember the evil prospector? I don't know. <laughs> Just something oh, yeah. I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when he looks yeah. straight at the camera with this kind of sneer and the whiskers. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I think I've, Kevin Klein almost always has had facial hair. But I mean, this beard, that's a, that is a beard, man. Like, that is, he, yeah. he made a, that is a, a commitment by an actor to grow facial hair. Because that is a beard. Uh, maybe not so fashionable in the 1980s. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, and that, you know, there's time. Yeah, he sort of is. I think he's perhaps using his beard as a, as, uh, yeah, as a costume, as a prop, because he seems to have the. Yeah, there's a sort of a few Popeye-like expressions. Reminded me a little <laughs> Robin Williams. Huh. 
Yeah. I, I love the fact that he's in a onesie. Like that's all he had left. And he's yeah. basically starting to rebuild himself mm-hmm. um, in the process. I, I think they set him up basically. I mean, when you first find him in the movie, he's laying out in the desert, basically waiting to die. So like they've literally started him from having lost everything. And throughout the course of the movie, like this scene is that first step into him regaining, well, maybe the second step because he he's already got his gun back, but <laughs> it's, or his, yeah, yeah, his, his saddle back basically and his right. horse, but it's like his first step in redemption throughout the course of the whole movie. Yeah, it is kind of a rebirth type of, uh, <laughs> type of movie for him. You're right, all the elements start to come back to him. So here, here's another thing I kind of wanted to point out here. So another big part of this minute is uh, some tobacco chewing. Some, uh, uh, you know, always been a, a big part of depictions of the Old West. Uh, I was wondering, historically, was this the case? Did they really, you know, chew and spit tobacco or was it a cigarette thing? And, you know, it's just not depicted the same way. So I did look this one up according to an article in True West magazine. So it said Americans love for <laughs> smoking began early in our history. Uh, among the various types of tobacco were rope cable twist, bull durham in a sack, and plug cut. And uh, chewing tobacco was <laughs> wow. popular too, and there were lots of brands to choose from, including plug and twist. And here's some brand names they used. Wedding Cake, Windsap, Star Virginia, Rock Candy, Henry Clay, and Daniel Webster. So they, they had all sorts of lovely names for these things. So I got to ask... Was that was that last one a Henry Clay and Daniel Webster brand, or were they rival chewing tobaccos? Ah, like they were in the Senate. Just, yeah, <laughs> so that is a you know a fire and brimstone kind of a thing. I don't know what fire and water, but <laughs> I, I was wondering about the whole cigarette thing, and uh, it was further going on that said that uh, before the Civil War in America, cigarettes were actually considered sissified. You know, at that time, you either chewed or you dipped snuff or you smoked cigars or pipes. But then later, cigarettes became popular with cowboys and then the whole, you know, roll your own tobacco sticks and, you know, then it became cool. Uh, But but not always the case. Wow. Yeah, I I think it was really – well, yeah, you're talking about rolling your own cigarettes, Mm -hmm. uh, which I I kind of vaguely recall something to do with the Civil War and Mm. rolling paper and that was – a. That was a factor. I know also in in the trenches in World War One, cigarettes got really popular huh. uh, as well. But um, but I I have Josh and all the years we've pod, been podcasting, uh, we may come to blows here. Uh oh. This we may have a we may have something here because it's just chewing tobacco, right? Yes. And you know the deputy who shows up at the end of this minute, he's definitely chawing tobacco, uh-huh. but. That stick that Brian Dennehy is chewing, is that tobacco or is that possibly beef jerky? Uh, but mm. does, does he spit it out, though? That's why I thought it might be. I think Dennehy, I don't. I think he keeps chewing it and talking and chewing and talking. And mm. uh, they, di- they did have, uh, you know, beef sticks back then. Be- mm. You know, jerky was actually a typical way. Uh, to preserve meat, you know, you dry it out. So, yeah, I, I think, Josh, that that might be some kind of a uh, a 19th century version of a Slim Jim. I think Mr. he's Denny snapping on a Slim Jim, huh? Wow. <laughs> I think, and, you know, and he's always had that 
professional wrestler look to him. You could picture him <laughs> in a ring going up against Macho Man Savage. So I don't know, Leo. Let's let's get you in the in this in this fray. I, what do you? I think? have to put my money now. I mean, you've got you gave me the visual. I see him in a ring. So yeah, I'm gonna say it's beef jerky until I'm proven otherwise. At this nice. point. What, what I noticed and what's kind of got me a little interested now that you're talking about the tobacco is I, I didn't see any pipes. And I'm thinking about hmm. Hateful Eight and I'm thinking about the pipe that Samuel L. Jackson had. Um, that's where my head went because it's another Western. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that are settlers and they're coming into town. And I, I, I imagine that maybe there'd be pipes because of the fact that you wouldn't have rolling paper like we were talking about that was also a hot commodity was to have rolling paper yeah good point good point yeah there, I, this is a pipeless movie isn't it mm-hmm. you, you would you would think that when we get to the wagon train uh, later in the movie you would have an elderly woman with a bonnet who has a big uh, corncob pipe that's where I would have put it myself ah. <laughs> I think we should shoot the scene and just add it in there ourselves I think it needs to be just a cutaway shot the special edition of Silverado. Yeah, digitally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, digitally add a pipe. Um, yeah. Well, here's a, another thing about uh, about the whole tobacco thing. Uh, I, I didn't realize until years later. Uh, Big League Chew, the bubble gum. I mean, I, I had that when I was mm-hmm. a kid, but I, I had no idea at the time that they were trying to imitate the tobacco chew that baseball players traditionally took. That was a Oh yeah, little nod there. I, I played baseball for for a few years and uh, as a kid, and it was uh, I'm not going to say outlawed, but it was not uh, looked highly upon for us to have big league chew, mm. just because of what it was, the association, and what it stood for. Yeah, yeah the association. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that got replaced then with sunflower seeds, but it made a lot more of a mess. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, Josh, you are a bigger baseball fan than I am. Uh, do players still chaw? You know, because I, I can remember watching, you know, ball games when I was a kid. And mm. yeah, you'd see that they would appear to have like, you know, swollen jaws. And then you'd see this yeah. like spew come out of their mouth. So I did, you know, it's like when you guys brought it up, I just realized, hey, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a ball game in like forever. So. I, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's gone out of style. But I mean, as as probably late as the 80s or 90s, they were still doing it. I mean, heck, you look at the scene in The Naked Gun. Yeah. <laughs> where everyone is spitting, including the queen. I mean, you know, it, it was very much uh, still a thing. But I, I guess as awareness grew about the dangers of it, uh, more, more players don't really do it as much. They did other things that were worse <laughs> during, during the 90s and the 2000s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question. Uh, did did you guys understand what the deputy said at the end of that scene? Because I could not catch it. I didn't yeah. want to read it in subtitles, but I could not catch what he says. He spits and says something about Klein and walks away. <laughs> and Cobb then walks away. But I don't, I could not catch it for the life of oh, me. No, I got to bust out the script. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was focused more on, on the, uh, on the spit and, uh, I mean, it was a lot of spit. It, really it was, was a lot of spit. spit. Impressive so, amount. I, <laughs> they had that guy waiting off screen for way too long. <laughs> and then he just had a gob of, and that's probably why he couldn't say what he needed to say. He just had such a gob of 
chew in his throat. Yeah. I I got a question for you guys. Because I, I paused and went back on this. It, it seems as though at one point, Dennehy uses the word babe. Did you guys hear that? The word babe? Mm. The baby? word babe, yeah. And maybe it was just my hearing, but it's not, I think he says, I got a sweet deal, babe. I got you, babe. Huh. I got you, babe. So I could have, yeah, I, I listened to that one a few times because you, you don't, moment. yeah, yeah, you don't, you, you picture a 1960s movie mogul singing, babe, uh, Robert yeah. Evans, perhaps. Or, or Sammy Davis Jr. Or Sammy Davis Jr., of course, <laughs> yeah. But you don't picture a 19th century outlaw turned sheriff walking down a dirt uh, road saying that. <laughs> so, but I kind of again, I you know the, these guys are being very relaxed and I think sort yeah. of having fun playing. So maybe Babe was just a bit of a you know just came out uh, in improvisation. Oh, I found the answer to the uh, the mystery line. Ah, what does he say? <laughs> uh, apparently the 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 according to the script, the, the tough's name is actually called Kyle. Okay. Known as a tough associate of Cobb's, who hurries up to them and says he's getting out. Uh-huh. And uh, probably referring to who we will be discussing in the next uh-huh. minute. Okay. Eyeliner men? Yeah. <laughs> he seemed like he had eyeliner the yeah. entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh but but yeah, that's getting uh, out. Okay. That, that pretty much wraps up that that uh walk and talk minute. I mean it's uh you know what we were discussing. You know the 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 history that Peyton and Cobb have. Uh, you know the the shady past. I, I think that it's it's interesting that from this minute we get not only that uh, Cobb may have somewhat of a shady past, but Peyton as well. Yeah. And he. It sounds like they did work together. There's something he did that was bad, but he's given it up. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a a very Western line. I, do you know, Brett, if there were any other Westerns that used that convention? You know the. Uh, the good guy who was once bad, but he's given it up. Oh yeah, uh, of course I can't think of any off the top of. But yeah, you know the <laughs> the outlaw who's trying to go straight. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll think of about twenty titles after we sign off. But yeah, the, I think the, uh, um, yeah, you know that. Uh, well, you know, I mean, in real life, you have the saga of Billy the Kid, who was, yeah. you know trying to negotiate some kind of a pardon with the territorial governor of New Mexico. Um, Hmm. And, you know, I mean, this is an era when, uh, you you know, you're an outlaw in one town, so you go to another town and become the sheriff. (laughs) That that did happen. Hmm. Hmm. You know, there was an idea of, uh, well, why don't you come work for me? Okay. (laughs) Very mercenary. (laughs) I mean, Cobb breaks out literally his friend, another guy that used to ride with them, and he becomes a deputy. But you find out how bad of a guy he was, mm-hmm. which is what you're going to find in the next minute. Mm-hmm. Other movies that kind of live in this world, I would say Unforgiven. Absolutely. Because uh-huh. he's, he's an outlaw that gave everything up, but due to certain circumstances, he falls back into it or he finds himself falling back into it. Great yeah. movie. Well, yeah. a theme that you find in many movies, uh, I, I guess just thinking of like the Godfather series, for instance, Godfather 3, about, you know, they brought mm-hmm. me back in. Yeah. You know, once you, you, you know, does your past define you? Are you doomed to repeat uh, mm-hmm. the sins of the past or can you move on and find redemption? And it's a, it's a very uh, traditional type of theme that I guess because this movie is a very traditional type of Western, it's kind of fitting that we find it here. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the idea of, 
Now, I think in movies, the criminal and the outlaw are very different characters. Hmm. You know, the criminal tends to, you know, the, the criminal is, uh, you know, a character in, say, a gangster movie. Uh, a professional criminal. The outlaw is more of a force of nature. Hmm. And is, you know, has, you know, there's that a- ambiguous nature of the outlaw. Like, I think, you know, Peyton and Cobb are, are good examples. Uh, you could, you could think of, you know, ways to switch the plot. So, you know, you know, plot, you know, Cobb's a likable bad guy. There's, you could probably think of a way to like make Cobb join forces with Peyton. He's just, he's give him a better deal. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and by the end of the movie, you've actually swapped roles, right? I mean, at the end of the movie now, yeah. Peyton is the sheriff, right? I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. he's an outlaw turned sheriff at this point. Hmm. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect example. Spo- spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did uh, look up a little bit uh, about the ending to this movie, which, you know, that's going to be months from now that it gets discussed. But uh, they were planning on doing some sort of a... Uh, a sequel uh, based on how the movie oh, ended. Wow. But, uh, you know, based on how Silverado performed, it just didn't quite work out. But that, that would have been kind of fun if there was a Silverado too. Uh, now I'm bummed. It. Yeah. Hmm. It's not, it's not too late. It's <laughs> never too late. It's never too late. <laughs> Do you guys, I mean, and maybe this won't go into the podcast, but the whole situation with Rosanna Arquette, who is she with? I don't get it. Oh, well, there yeah. were so many pieces of her role that wound up on the cutting room floor, uh, supposedly. Wow. Yet she still got, she got very uh, high billing despite all that. Uh, I, I admit yeah. I haven't read the full script to see exactly what those cutscenes are, but I have heard that, that, yeah, she had a much bigger role. And, uh, you know, there was supposed wow. to be a big love interest yeah. thing that just didn't quite show up. Yeah, good point. I mean, Leo, this is your first time seeing it. I've, I've seen it many times over the years and you, you just get the sense that there are beats that you know yeah, things that come missing. up yeah and just like you know certain motivations that aren't totally clear like another example is i think jeff goldblum as the gambler hmm. they mm-hmm. sort of set you know he sort of comes into town and he could go either way they sort of paint him as a uh possibly as an ally of our heroes but then he yeah. definitely has shifted and we're kind of yep. missing a scene where he and Cobb, you know, have a talk or something like that. It's just suddenly, exactly. yeah. So I mean, the same thing with Roseanne Arquette. I think there was a lot more of her that just didn't make it into the final cut. Probably, a, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the director's cut. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's quite a bit. Something happened between her and Peyton that I never saw. And all of a sudden, she's, uh, I forgot the other gentleman's name, but she's with him. And it's like, or they have some type of chemistry going on. And you're like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Scott Glenn as uh, Emma. Scott Glenn. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, yeah, I think we uh, pretty much got through these minutes. Uh, so I wanted to thank Absolutely. you, Leo, for for coming on onto the show. It was great to have you and to thanks talk for about having me, stuff. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. A uh, real quick question: uh, Do you have anything you're working on now that you might want to talk a little bit about upcoming projects, etc.? What am I working on now? I've shifted a lot more back into mainly acting, but uh, recently, actually some news just came out today. I did a show that I helped uh, develop and produce, and I acted in with uh, a few other names that you guys might know, uh, Morena Baccarin, John Noble, 
um, Paul Blackthorne, and we shot a series in Budapest uh, about two years ago. It came out in Europe, and now the company that owns it, Viaplay, is looking for a U.S. distribution partner. So it might be coming to the U.S. after all. So I'm hoping oh, that by the end of 2022, I'll have a nice little series, uh, series lead, series regular role on a, a streaming platform over here. Oh, that's awesome. Very so. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations on that. And, you know, thank wow. you so much. Budapest. If, Very cool. And if people want to find you or check out your website or anything, uh, do you have a, a site you could direct them to or Instagram or anything like that? Easiest thing, honestly, if anybody knows, imdb.com. That's where you can find everything that I'm working on. Uh, if not, you can follow me. I'm mostly uh, active on Instagram at the Leo Oliva, and it's easy to find. You'll see me. You'll see me standing there looking very regal. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, you can find the Silverado podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, SilveradoMinute.com. Social media is available at The Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listener's Saloon on Facebook, and on Twitter at SilveradoMXM. So that's it. Any last thoughts about this minute, gentlemen? Uh, I think we covered it. But again, Leo, thanks for being on the show. It was a a blast. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure, guys. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Well, then please join us here next time on the Silverado Minute. Yeehaw! Very good yeah. <laughs> I think a, a bit of a struggle there, but it, it works. <laughs> I think it works better if you're on a horse, so we gotta redo this on a horse. <laughs>